Ah, we are feeling good. Hour three, Plank Show. We made it, baby, on a Friday. We made it thanks to you. Thanks to you, Sooner Nation. Josh Elmer, Connor Pasby, one hour to go. That means we still have time to hear from all of you fine folks. We've got the Newcastle Casino top five things that we've missed, top five stories of the day coming your way in just a moment. But, hey, you, you chime in. We get you in on the Plank Show. Bill has been uh, waiting, wanted to give him the full run. Bill, what's up? Happy Friday to you. Good morning. What's on your mind? Nothing much. Uh, well, whether you agree, I think OU can win their, their last five games. They can win every Just single game, Bill. Every yeah. single yeah. game they can win. They, now, will they? they will they is a, a different story. Story. But I think if, Dylan, if they keep Dylan healthy – and we see the doing that played Saturday, I think they're going to be in every game. I don't care what people says about Oklahoma State. They are beatable, very beatable. And you you got you to play much better defensively, though. I don't know if you want every game to be a shootout in OU's advantage, oh, not, but you got to play much better on the defensive side of the ball. Oh, I agree. I'm not saying that you don't want to – hopefully in two or three years when – Brett's got a lot of his own guys in there. I think we're going to be seeing the defense that we want to see from now on. But it's going to take a couple, two or three classes. You know, once he gets up, the the complexion of the schedule itself, what's remaining, could really change pretty dramatically starting tomorrow, based on if if Texas goes into Stillwater and looks like the team that is favored the way that it is and wins that game convincingly. All of a sudden, Oklahoma State loses that game. Then they turn around the next week and go to Manhattan and play Kansas State. And if they lose up there in Manhattan too, then then you're talking about an Oklahoma State team that maybe – I mean, it's not crazy to think that when we you know do this all over again here in a couple of weeks that Oklahoma State could be riding its own three-game losing streak just based on the way that uh, their schedule plays out with TCU, Texas, and Kansas State. Not in the same order as uh, as Oklahoma, but it's not crazy to think that that could happen for them based on you know maybe, maybe how tomorrow goes and obviously the week after that versus Kansas State. And if that's the case, then to your point, I mean, all of a sudden, now uh, Oklahoma potentially winning out doesn't doesn't seem altogether crazy, right? That maybe OU could win uh, some shootouts the rest of the way. Well, hopefully they want like he was saying. I don't want to see shootout. Hopefully the defense will come out and play well against Iowa State and keep getting better and better and better. But it's going to take a couple of years till Brett gets a lot of his own guys in here and some of the studs that he's recruiting, like LeBlanc. And yeah, PJ Adabare. Yep, PJ Adabare. When they get a bunch of these kids that Brent really is high on, I think we're gonna people's gonna forget about how bad they played early this year. Well, and if you win out, you know the remainder of this way, then some of that's gonna get naturally forgotten, and there'll be excitement going into next season. I think you know if you lose one more the rest of the way and win every game outside of that. Again, some of that excitement will uh, – it'll be it'll be back, Bill. Uh, Bill, hey, man, have a good weekend. Appreciate the call. You too. Let's go ahead and let's touch on some of the top stories. Do you have that Newcastle open over there? Yeah, let me see if I can get to it. 
It's it's no big deal if you don't. We can just we can just play Sounders and roll that way. Big story number five. Hey, there you go. There you go. There you go. Newcastle Casino where real gamers go to play. Big story number five. Wait for it. Do we have a sounder? You <laughs> get. I'm all over the place right here, Josh. <laughs> You're good. I've I've sprung some of this on you. Wait for it, people. Number five. There you go. Major League Baseball last night. The uh, Astros they lead the Yankees two games to none. Yanks had plenty of chances those final. Three, four innings, uh, runners in scoring position a couple of times. Looked like Judge had a big fly that maybe was going to get out in right field. Instead, it stayed in. Now Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, they're combined three for 16 first two games in the series. Uh, Quiet bats for the Yankees, two games in the ALCS. 30 times they have struck out so far through the uh, first two games. And really, I mean, we've seen this song and dance before, right? When you – Build a roster that uh, has the Aaron Judges and the Stantons of the world. You're going to have some high strikeout numbers at times. It's homer or strikeout. That's what it's been for Judge and Stanton. Mainly Judge in the postseason. He struck. I don't know. How, I don't have his numbers right with me, but he struck out quite a bit to start this postseason. But yeah, they go down. They lose the first two games. Now they head back. They head to the Bronx down 0-2 in the series. I don't think they're totally out of it yet, though, uh, I mean, it's hard to say you don't like Houston to advance now at this point. 12 strikeouts in three straight postseason games for the Yankees, which gets us to number four. Sticking with uh, Major League Baseball here just real quick. Padres, Phillies tonight. That series is even at one game apiece. The uh, pitching probables tonight – Musgrove versus Suarez uh, as the series shifts over to Citizens Bank Park. Big story, numero trace. Man, it was uh, important last night, wasn't it? In the National Football League, the return of DeAndre Hopkins was uh, seemingly important for the Arizona Cardinals. They just huge second quarter in that game. They end up beating the Saints. Final tallies 42-34 on Amazon Prime's Thursday night football. Were you watching that game, Connor? What what were you? No, you were, oh, you were I calling had, football. Yes, yeah. So I missed out on all the Jackson Arnold and Thursday night football with the Saints and Cardinals. I saw the Cardinals offense struggle on early in the game, but man, they figured it out. What was the final score? They put up over 40. 42-34. I saw Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury kind of get into it on the sidelines. <laughs> Man, I don't know how great that relationship is with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, but they really needed that game last night to put up some offensive numbers like that because that's an offense that everyone was trying to figure out, like, what's the problem here? They weren't putting up many points to start this season, but they figured it out last night. Andy Dalton got picked off three times. For the Saints, a couple of which were pick sixes for Arizona. So, uh, Kyler Murray, his final line looked like this. 20 of 29 passing, 204 passing yards. He did have one passing touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins returns. 
hauls in 10 grabs for a bucko three. It, so. was a, it was a great time to get Hopkins back, too, with Hollywood Brown being out. I'm not sure if it'll be the whole season. Some, some people are saying he'll come back right before the regular season ends. But that was big for Kyler Murray to get his main weapon back in DeAndre Hopkins. Gosh, and it just happened all right there end of the second quarter, wasn't it? I mean, it was just a complete landslide. 14-6, looks like the the Saints are, you know, in command. Boom, pick six, pick six, and all of a sudden, you know, the uh, complexion of the football game totally changed in that one. So you missed out, didn't you? You didn't see the big Amazon Prime Taylor Swift premiere last night. No, I'm a big fan of Kirk Herbstreit on Amazon Prime for Thursday Night Football. Are you a big fan of Taylor Swift buying advertising in the middle (laughs) of Amazon Prime? No, I'm not. I don't know what's up with all that. Yeah, I enjoy the Amazon Prime. I don't know if the <laughs> old-time people do. I don't know if they have a hard time finding it, finding Amazon Prime for Thursday night football. Travis was a little concerned this morning, too, by the way, when I asked if you had the Newcastle Open uh, ready. He thought uh, maybe you were tipping back a Newcastle Brown Ale. No, this is Newcastle <laughs> Casino. The Casino, yes. It is Friday, but we are still treating this as a professional work environment so far <laughs> <laughs> on a Friday. Gets us to big story number two. In the National Football League, obviously the story that, you know, outside of just the the game itself last night, the big news is Christian McCaffrey is gone. He, He has been dealt from the Carolina Panthers. He is off to the San Francisco 49ers. So big blockbuster trade, and it looks like this in terms of the return that Carolina got back. Second, third, and fourth in this year's upcoming draft, and then a fifth in the 2024 draft. And I'm just kind of always of the mindset, if you can get better right now, get better right now. So second, third, fourth round picks in this, the 23 draft coming up, and a fifth round pick in the 24 draft going back to Carolina. The the Panthers, it's, you know, if you get into the who won and lost the trade, to me, the 49ers won the trade yeah. because they're, they're getting a star on a team that uh, is a serious player in the NFC. I know it's uh, obviously been a couple of years removed from San Francisco getting into that Super Bowl and how ironic it is that maybe they might be going back to a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo playing quarterback after everybody wanted to ship him out of town, right? And now who knows, you're getting some extra weaponry Again, for Garoppolo, maybe uh, taking you back there in an NFC that, look, the Packers, they uh, they don't look like the team that maybe some thought they were going to be. Who else in the NFC? The the Bucks look uh, not Shrug- great. Struggled against the Steelers. Yeah, lo- lost the game against the yep. Steelers. I was watching Get Up this morning, which, you know, watch at your own peril. I, I get that. But uh, basically the Bucks are scoring like 10 points per game less this season as compared to last season. And you got Tom Brady freaking yelling at his old line on the sidelines. Yeah, it's not been it's not been good for Tampa. So all of that is to say San Francisco's a serious player in the NFC. Debo, and- Debo Samuel and now Christian McCaffrey. But, man, the experiment and everything with Baker Mayfield coming into Carolina Panthers is just now a disaster with the firing of Matt Rule. Now you get Christian McCaffrey gone. It's you had Robbie, An- Robbie Anderson to the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, man, it's going really downhill. So and they're you may, not you done. May, no, you may, be, you may see some tanking from Carolina and try to get a top draft You pick. may. No, you're absolutely. You will. 
you're going to see some tanking from Carolina the rest of the way. They are selling, selling off, which, you know, for them, again, the, the winning and losing the trade portion of it, Carolina has done here what Carolina probably had to do, right? I mean, clearly this thing is going nowhere fast for Carolina. They're not a player for the playoffs and any type of draft compensation coming back. I'm not saying that they got what maybe they should have gotten from McCaffrey, but second, third, fourth round pick and a fifth round uh, in the following draft is not terrible. I still like it better. I mean, to me, I'd much rather be in San Francisco's shoes getting Christian McCaffrey, who's proven gold, proven star power in the league for a postseason push than, you know, obviously being the Carolina Panthers where you're tearing everything down. But I understand it from the Panthers' perspective, which gets us to big story number one. How should Oklahoma have approached this bye week? I'm curious to get – you know, some of our listeners take on this out there. We heard Brent Venables several weeks back at the Cotton Bowl basically say, you know, is is this team tired, right? Kind of publicly ask the question himself. Tactically, did he go about things the right way at every turn? Now, whatever they did, they dialed it up correctly and – they got this team to play good football, and it might be as simple as they got Dylan Gabriel back, right? Probably is as simple as they got Dylan Gabriel back versus Kansas. But uh, how do you how how would you have approached the bye week, right? If you were in any way, shape, or form, Connor, concerned that I've overworked the team a little bit, right? Or schedule schedule wise, maybe structurally, we didn't set up this thing correctly in terms of the workload that we put on this team then does that set you up for a bye week where again you're you're trying to dial it back a little bit and get guys healthy or are you full speed ahead with a team that has had issues dialing up uh, consistent pressure up front from its defensive line tackling well in space what was the approach in terms of the physicality this week what should it have been let's take a break simmer on it connor i know you're you're chopping at the bit you've got an immediate response and uh, i know oklahoma fans out there do as well sneak peek i'm cranking the physicality back up right i'm getting back to the basics but let's let's debate it next right here it's the plank show final hour on a friday before we uh hand it off here at about 42 minutes or so to the professionals, Steelman and Thune at noon. Not too awfully far away around the corner, but uh, we still have plenty of Oklahoma football to dissect with you. Plank Show, just a few more segments with you on a Friday. Back with you on the home of Sooner fans right after this. Mop and Roofing, bringing you hour number three. It is the Plank Show, Mop and Roofing and Construction. They've got you covered, Oklahoma. So call Bob Moppin and his team, 405 405- 703-3843. They're family-owned and operated. They've got over 35 years of experience. They uh, are a full-service company. That's fire and flood remediation work that they can provide for you. Fully insured, licensed, and bonded. That is Moppin Roofing, our three sponsor, 405-703-3843. Appreciate you, Moppin Roofing. Okay, so the bye week. I don't think you dial it back in a bye week. I know that, you know, whether that was just kind of Brent Venables 
Not Brett. Not George Brett Venables. Brent. Did he say George Brett? I guess he did. I wasn't. Yeah, I didn't even catch that. I guess he did say Brett Venables. So the new head coach for the Oklahoma Sooners, Brett if we, Venables. If we had George Brett coaching, George Brett Venables coaching the Sooners, that's it. I mean, step aside, Saban. Look out, uh, Kirby Smart. Here come the national championships again and again and again. You can't you can't lose with George Brett. Be standing over there with a pine pine tar bat. Yes. <laughs> so iconic. If if you're Brent Venables and you've been in any way, shape, or form thinking about okay, have have I mismanaged the workload to some degree? Then okay, you come into the bye week and that can I guess lead you to where. Maybe you you treat it as just a get healthy week in a lot of ways, but man, I really think you know. To me, you crank it up throughout the bye week, right? Yeah, I don't I don't think you dial anything back. You keep that physicality in practice about the same, and just slowly get your guys have been banged up. Slowly get them back, and Billy Bowman's a big one that you need back in a hurry. You need him to get healthy in the back end of the secondary. I think the number one thing you want to get out of the bye week is back to your basics, physicality, right? Just your your most basic, how do we tackle? What does tackling look like, right? Fundamentally, what are we trying to do? Break down, wrap up, tackle all week, physicality. Get this team convinced that it can play physical defensive football again. I That's how I would uh, approach the bye week. Then again, I'm not getting paid $7 million to approach the bye week. So take that with, uh, obviously, it's grain of salt. But I hope Oklahoma has taken that approach this week to to be physical, to not feel like like they've overworked things, right? And I know that uh, Brent Venables, it's his his first time being a head coach. So naturally – I think, uh, you know, at twists and turns, even if things were going great the whole way, then going into the bye week, you're probably going to self-evaluate to some degree, right? You're probably going to say, okay, what have I done well? And what maybe could I tighten up? What should I do differently? You're going to self-evaluate. And you're going to lean on the resources that you've got, which good thing for Brent Venables is he's got great resources, to, to call up Bill Snyder, Bob Stoops, and Dabo Sweeney if you can get in touch with him during football season. And know where the heck you're at on the field, where that's knowing the plays and having those coverages in the back of your head. We've seen the busted coverages. We've seen guys in different spots on the field where they're not supposed to be. So I think that's a big one, too, in the bye week, just learning those plays and make sure you don't have any more of the busted coverages. Yeah getting back to just the the install portion of it. What do we understand? What do we not get of this uh, defense that we're running and getting guys up to speed? I mean, you should be at that point. And it feels like feels like Oklahoma, I mean, sometimes you just got to execute better, right? Yeah, these, yeah. these last couple of games, I mean, the TCU game you look at and you see guys running free left and right. But I don't know that we've seen a ton of that since. Certainly not to the same type of degree. It's just offenses for Texas and Kansas 
executing against you. And at some point, it's you either go beat the guy in front of you good on good and go make a play, or maybe you're not capable of, of doing that with the personnel that you've got. So that's that's the other piece of the puzzle for this bye week for Oklahoma is drilling down to do we have to make some personnel changes. And probably you've you've already seen Oklahoma start experimenting, tinkering with that by putting a Robert Spears Jennings out there. Jaron Kanick, I, I, I don't know if you're going to see just a ton of him the rest of the way, but just across the board. Some of these, some of these younger defensive linemen got to get a chance, right? Yeah, start putting more of those youngsters in. Feels like when they get in, they make the play. They're not scared. They're playing loose. But we're not. We're not in the film room. We're not with those guys. Brent Vittables is seeing everything, and he said that Canick, he doesn't know what exactly he's doing on the field, but he's making plays. He still needs to learn the system. But I'm with you. I think you throw in more of those younger guys, the freshmen, sophomores, see what they can do in the back end of the year and see if they can get some more experience for next year. Totally back to the basics. Completely back to it. Offensively, go into the bye week really on an uptick, feeling good about things all of a sudden. It's uh, so obvious the difference that a quarterback makes. For Oklahoma, it's just, man, it's night and day. This team, I don't know. I don't know if this team beats anybody on its schedule the rest of the way if it – plays Davis Bevel. If it's Bevel, no. I don't I don't see that whatsoever. And if Oklahoma's not comfortable enough to play, you know, Booty or Evers in a serious role the rest of the way, you know, I don't know that you beat anyone the rest of the way if uh if it's not Dylan Gabriel. Good news for Oklahoma is it is Dylan Gabriel the rest of the way. He, he Dylan Gabriel he was getting some criticism early in the year, but now it shows that you really need Dylan Gabriel behind center. And that showed last week as a team, put up over 700 yards. That was amazing to see, and Oklahoma needed that. Fans needed to see that offense explode for that many yards and put up that many points. Well, and I don't think Dylan Gabriel, had, you know, by any stretch is above us sitting and looking and saying, you know what, some of these throws have to be made. And yet, you then can turn around and say, even if he's missing a couple of these, there's just – Oklahoma is what it is. Dylan Gabriel is clearly the best quarterback. And with Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma's getting pretty good quarterback play. This is a a league, Connor, that right now with Adrian Martinez and Sanders and Quinn Ewers, the quarterback plays pretty good, right? Duggan is playing some of his best football. I still think Dylan Gabriel's top third in the Big 12. Is that crazy? No, I would go... I would probably go. Gunny. I'd probably go. Uh, Sanders, Ewers. Oh man, I don't know if I put Dylan Gabriel in front of Max Duggan, but would you put him in front of Adrian Martinez? He's top. I half. would. Yes, I would. We uh, saw. I don't know. Well, we saw the big game from Adrian Martinez against OU, but it feels like he's toned that down ever since. But I, I think he, I put. He's Dylan been Gabriel. mortal against everybody yes. else. You're saying. Which which tends to happen. Yeah, I mean, what, what does that say about OU? Did. You know, take out of that what you will. Looks like a Heisman Trophy winner that night and then does nothing ever since. But he's still been playing really good, though, Adrian Martinez. But I think I put Dylan Gabriel in front of him. This is pretty good off the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We were making the comparison between what Iowa State is doing defensively versus what Oklahoma is getting out of its personnel. And 
I've said from the beginning of the season that, look, I get the install and understand that it's going to be a work in progress and a process to some degree, right? I'm not to even dating back to the summer, sat here with you, Connor, and with Plank and said, you know, top 30 total defense to me, if you could get there, would be a massive, massive improvement. And there were others that felt like, oh, man, Venable's coming back, top 20, top 15, it's time, here we go. I thought that was ambitious then. But for Oklahoma, I don't think it's ever crazy to feel like you should be top 30, top 35 in those types of categories. Oklahoma is light years away from that. Their personnel, talent-wise, though, I said it then. I'll reiterate it now. It's better than than what you've gotten so far. So, anyways, on that subject of what clearly Iowa State is getting out of, on paper, in the recruiting uh, department, less talented players than what Oklahoma has had to operate with, here's what uh, this texter says. Iowa State recruits players that fits their system. They bring these guys in and they develop them. That's the reason why they play consistent defense. Oklahoma has not done that. These guys on defense are underdeveloped mentally and physically. The majority of the team is like that. Is like that. Lincoln Riley has set this program back at least two years. If we're lucky, but I think Brent will get his guys in here and get this train back on the track. What Bob Stoops built over 18 years, Lincoln Riley tried to tear down in the short amount of time he was here. How do you feel about that, Connor? I mean, it's true Iowa State can't recruit like Oklahoma and they got a system. They've been playing really good defense the last several years. I think they're kind of similar to what Kansas State and Wisconsin does. They don't get the highest recruits, but they always play well defensively. They always have guys bought in to the system. But, I mean, we just want to see Oklahoma play better defensively, whether that's you know, getting, start getting some four-star, five-star defensive guys come in instead of getting everybody on the offensive side of the ball. They're starting to do that in this recruiting class right here. So we'll see what kind of level Oklahoma can get on defensively. Hopefully it starts next season. I mean, it was realistic to say early in the year a top 30 defense just based on what they look like in the well, first Well, based on Brent Finnable's track record. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah record. definitely coming out of the first couple of games for sure. But in the offseason, the, the track record of Venables, right? What, what you had accomplished both at Oklahoma and Clemson, though obviously uh, it, it didn't end great at Oklahoma for Venables. But, I mean, just the personnel, Venables, Bates, felt like those guys they could get this thing at least man top 40 right I mean I don't think for the most part folks there were some out there that yes were ambitious about it but generally speaking I think folks were kind of just hoping for competent defensively or expecting competent defensively and really so far obviously uh, haven't gotten that but I I will give this texter a little bit of credence to what they're saying that once Brent and Todd Bates and everybody collectively defensively gets their type of personnel, particularly on the defensive line in here, hopefully that that will get Oklahoma to the point of what you're hoping you can see defensively. J- Jim in Arlington says, are you still nervous about OU running a three-man front, Josh? <laughs> Absolutely I'm yes. nervous about it. I, I, pre- I don't like pre- it. I preach it every week. 
I don't like it. I wish they would just traditional four man front and and go from there. You don't you don't have a difference making nose tackle. So to me, when you don't have that, just play four down, play gap sound, and go from there. Oklahoma's not good enough up front no. to run a three man front to me. Well, and usually when you run a three-man front, you got guys in the secondary you can trust and just cover the ball and make plays. They drop eight, but it still feels like there's guys getting open field and getting thrown to, making catches. I mean, yeah, you just don't have a difference maker up front where you can run a three-man front and get pressure to the quarterback because OU's been running a three-man front, and they have not come close to getting to the quarterback. But you know what? We're all happy, baby. We're on a we win are. streak. One game win streak. And, it, and it's stress-free Saturday to sit back and watch some college football. Which we've got two great games in the Big 12. Two great games in the Big 12. Let's hand out some midseason awards. I saw Hoover and the guys over at All Sooners did that, and uh, their MVP. Look, I love Braden Willis, but you know, I, I don't. I don't think you can have Braden Willis as Oklahoma's most valuable player. So far, I, most improved. Yeah, I, I can I yeah, can get with improved. that. But uh, Braden Willis, for me, I, I don't know that I can have him as the Sooners MVP. So let's hand out some awards before we get out of here. Midseason awards uh, defensively, we kind of touched on this earlier. It's probably Billy Bowman defensively, which again I agree with the nine one eight texter. That's why you got to get Bowman back asap to get that back end of the defense squared away. But uh, what about offensively across the board? We'll hand out some midseason awards and then uh, make some picks going out the door. We're almost done here for the week. It's the home of Sooner fans, Josh and Connor Plank Show. Still got time to squeeze you in, too. I mean, hey, best laid plans can go to waste if you want to jump in here as well on the Riverwind call-in line. A couple of final TOs, and we're back to wrap it up. You like Everclear? I do, yes. Man, those greatest hits from 94 to 04. Wow. That's good stuff. Vibes from Everclear. Straight vibes. <laughs> Father of Mine's a really good song. It's the Plague Show. A couple more segments right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. It's been a fun little Friday show. Fun little Friday. As Gunny said, I didn't say this, Plank. Gunny said it. When Plank's away, we will play on the Plank Show. That's right. Josh and Connor getting after it on a Friday with you. Let's, Let's hand out some awards, shall we? To me, most valuable player for Oklahoma is obvious both sides of the football it is so clear that it's dylan gabriel i don't know how you could make any argument for anybody else the defense look is not good so that i mean basically you eliminate everybody on that side of the football and for ou it's abundantly clear and obvious that again like i said earlier i don't think this team's winning a game minus uh, Dylan Gabriel the rest of the way based on what we've seen so far. Maybe, maybe uh, if uh, Everclear's great, add a little Sprite, it's even better. Easy with that. That'll Yeah, you better have Sprite with it. Otherwise, you burn the esophagus. Be careful drinking that Everclear. Strong stuff over there. I don't, uh, I don't know that OU, just based on the fact that we haven't seen General Booty and Evers in serious action, 
with uh, all due respect to Dallas Bill this morning that has corrected us to let us know that he did, in fact, play in the Texas game in mop-up duty late. I, I don't know that uh, I've seen enough yet to where you can feel comfortable that Oklahoma beats anybody on its schedule the rest of the way without Dylan Gabriel. Gabriel, is uh, is he going to win Big 12 Player of the Year? Absolutely not at this point, and probably there's nothing the rest of the way that he can do that would win him that award. But I think he's an upper third quarterback in this league in a year where the Big 12, to me, is playing much, much better collectively at the quarterback position. So slam dunk, offensive MVP, team MVP, Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, DG, um, I kind of want to throw Eric Gray in, in there for mine. But, I mean, it shows how important of a piece Dylan Gabriel is when he went down against TCU. But, man, Eric Gray, everyone was saying, is this really our RB1? Is he really RB1 or RB2? Well, he's shown that he is RB1. He's been stepping up his game recently, running hard. So many missed tackles to Eric Gray. A lot more explosive. He's a lot stronger than he was last year. Put on some weight in the offseason, and it has shown. So I've been really impressed with Eric Gray. But I'll still lean lean with you with Dylan Gabriel for the MVP <laughs> on both sides of the ball because it's really hard to give a guy on the defensive uh, on the defensive side to give out an MVP yeah well I mean I think it's got to be Bowman defensively uh, obviously they need to get him healthy we've talked about that a lot this morning uh, Travis says the combination of Harmon and Bowman would be defensive MVP getting both top safeties back makes this defense look much much better and uh, for a defense that is on the struggle bus, yeah, absolutely. they got to have those guys back. Most improved, uh, this, this would be the category where I think that uh, you, you could have some debate. Most improved, who you got? Like you mentioned earlier, but i got to go Braden Willis, a guy that's played behind Stogner last year, and now he's getting his full opportunity as the t- with the tight end role, and he's played some wa- Wildcat. He's been an important piece. He's been a guy you can really trust on on this Oklahoma team, but I'm going mo- uh, yeah, most improved with Braden Wills. He's caught a lot of tough balls. A guy that's just known for blocking, I feel like, has a tight end so far at Oklahoma. But this year he's got involved in the receiving game, and he's been quite impressive so far this season. I can definitely entertain an argument for Billy Bowman as most improved if we're going, you know, not – unit specific if we're just saying Oklahoma in general I think I'm I think I probably would lean Eric Gray as uh, most improved for me I, I know I said Braden Willis earlier but as I'm just sitting here thinking about it Eric Gray I was uh I don't want to say that I was completely down on Eric Gray everyone in just they, they expected more out of him last, last year. year and we didn't get it and he kind of got phased out uh, as the season went along, and that made sense because Kennedy Brooks was really, really good a year ago, right? I mean, I wouldn't, you know, for all of the things that we've knocked Lincoln Riley in the previous staff for, I think one of the things they did get right last season was, hey, Kennedy Brooks kind of earned the first team running back reps, don't you think? A season ago, yeah, he did. I was surprised. I think the first ever depth chart we saw Eric Gray as a starting running back, and then Kennedy Brooks to follow. But by far, I mean. Yeah, Kenny Brooks, he's the he was the RB1 last year. You had to give him the ball. So, I, I, I was not in the, oh, Oklahoma's. I didn't think OU was in dire straits at running back coming into this year, but 
I didn't feel as good going into this season as I did going into last season just with Kennedy Brooks back. You know, if you think back, going to uh, the start of the 2021 season, there were some conversations about, well, you know, Kennedy Brooks took that COVID year off, and is he going to come back and be the same guy? And I felt great that you had a thousand, two-time thousand-yard rusher back in the fold, and it you know ultimately played out that way for OU. I was much more concerned going into this season, and I think we've seen that when the offensive line, Connor, does what it did against Kansas and allows Eric Gray to either make one guy miss early, Gray's fully capable of that, and when he gets second level, Eric Gray is especially dangerous with his shiftiness, the shake that he has to him. He's he's really, really good. He's elusive. He's tough to bring down. So uh, most improved for me, Eric Gray, though, I'm, I'm definitely looking the direction of Billy Bowman as well and Braden Willis. I think any of those guys. Then you mentioned uh, the most improved position group would be the offensive line for OU. I mean, Start early, to now? Yeah, start to now. Yeah, early on in the year there were some penalties, some false starts that pushed him back. But, man, they've, they've improved as the season went on, even though it's been a little struggle. But I've been impressed with the offensive line as of late in the last two games. Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see how that group holds up versus Iowa State. Yes. Yes, Gunny. EG has that wiggle. Yes. He's got the wiggle. Do you think Stogner's regretting his decision to leave? Um, Good question. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think he is. It's just surprising to me because South Carolina is not a team that throws a lot. If you look at Rattler's numbers, I mean, there's a handful of games where he's not throwing the ball more than 30 times, and Stogner's not getting much balls thrown his way so far this year. Missing an action award, by the way, before we take a final timeout. Defensive line. And individually, I would give that to Reggie Grimes, who at the beginning of the season I thought, oh, man, this is uh, the pass rusher that we thought we were going to be getting when he first signed with Oklahoma, right? Yeah, and speaking of the defensive line, I was one of those guys pumping the sunshine early in the year. I'm like, man, this this defensive line has a chance to be the best in the Big 12. You know who else would be in the mix for that, too? And I shouldn't be picking on Reggie Grimes here alone. Jalen Redmond has just been okay for Oklahoma. And we get that every other year, though, it feels like. We're like we're expecting so much out of him, and we got a pretty good dose of Jalen Redmond last year, made – Quite a bit of plays up front, but he's just been at just. He hadn't been the the star that you you hoped that he would morph into, right? With Benito out, with Isaiah Thomas out, with Perrion Winfrey out, and we said as much this off season that okay, here here you go, chance to be a star if you're Jalen Redmond, and he uh I. I would not describe him as that so far for Oklahoma. One final timeout, we got picks, baby. Picks in the Big 12, and uh, we'll call it a week and hand it off to Steelman and Thune at noon right here on the Ref Radio Network. One final time, hour number, hour number three is brought to us by Mop and Roofing. How is it you're just now telling me you're going to Denver? We had this incredible material, and you... I know. I should have said something about it, because I, need... I think I need the text line to... No, I know. That's what I was going to say. To is... ask whoever's been to Denver what are some cool spots. And bars to go to. Yeah, he's trying to show the love of his life, Connor, is a good time in Denver. Yes. Where does she go to school at? Colorado Christian. 
That's what's up. She plays softball? Play softball, yeah. I think Colorado Christian's in Lakewood, a little outside of Denver. That's cool. That'll be fun. So what time's your flight? It is at 7.45 tonight. Nice. So you'll get, into, you'll get into Denver when? Um, around 9. I think it's a li- little over an hour, hour and 30-minute flight. Accounting for the hour that you get back? Correct, yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you can just take the little uh, tram from the, the airport over there. It's pretty right. cool. You want to hit some picks before we go out? Sure. Yeah, we can do that. H- how do you feel about the two Big 12 games this week? Kansas State at TCU. What do you got? I am falling in the trap with Oklahoma State plus six versus Texas. I still don't know why the line is that much for Texas. I feel like Spencer Sanders will play, so I like Oklahoma State. Homecoming in Stillwater. I like Oklahoma State to win the game. I don't. Uh, I don't guess I have a, a bunch of great reasons for you why. Passing defense, yes, they stink. Uh, I do expect Quinn Ewers and Xavier Worthy and company to have success throwing the football. I think just because it's in Stillwater, which again, the series history between these two would indicate that. That's not a great indicator either. The other thing would just be, Texas, you got to prove it to me that you're going to beat you know, good teams on your schedule with regularity. Uh, and I'm taking TCU. That actually uh, was my lock of the week. I think they're beating uh, I think they're beating. I've got TCU minus three and a half versus Kansas State with Max Duggan. And give me LSU minus two and a half versus Ole Miss. There you go. Not a full six-pack of picks. We'll do that again next week when Plank's back. That's it for us. Hey, safe travels, dude. Fly safe. And, uh... So long, everybody. Have a great weekend.